Welcome to From God to Us, the podcast where we study biblical issues, biblical topics, in order to answer questions about God, about the Bible, people, life, and cultural issues with application for daily living. We're in the middle of our series on how we got the Bible. We've looked at a couple of sessions on the claim of the authority of the Bible in our lives today. We've also looked at the canon of Scripture, that is, how do we know which books belong and don't belong in the Bible. And today we begin looking at the issue of the texts themselves, that is, the original Hebrew and Greek texts from which we translate our Bibles into languages today. We will begin looking at the Greek text because that seems to be the text that has the most questions or the most attacks today. A few years ago, a friend told me that people have changed the Greek text of the Bible in order to prohibit women's ministry. And he used an example from Romans chapter 16, verse 7, where it mentions Andronica and Junius as apostles. His claim was that the original was junia or feminine. It was a female. And because people wanted to prohibit women in ministry, they changed it to masculine and made it junius. Well, the fact is, this is absolutely false. There was a change in the Greek text from feminine to masculine, but not because they were trying to prohibit women's ministries. What happened is that as we discovered older, more reliable Greek texts, it was discovered that all the oldest, most reliable Greek texts were originally masculine. And it is easily demonstrated that a copying error resulted in a feminine form, and then that form was copied for centuries and became the norm. When we begin to study and look at all the Greek texts and found out that the original, that which is closest to the original, is masculine, it was changed back to masculine. This little story illustrates a couple of things. First, there are people who have no or little knowledge of the Greek who attempt to try to impress others with their so-called knowledge of Greek. Did you know that the most dangerous biblical exegete in the world is a person who has studied a little bit of Greek and thinks he's a scholar. Another dangerous person is one who gets his information about Greek from listening to another person, listening to a sermon, or even worse, from Google. I've known some people who've done that. And they think that now they understand how to use the Greek language. Well, the Greek language is a bit of a difficult language to understand. It's a very precise language, but you can't learn it just by listening to what someone else says. Another thing this little story illustrates is the fact that as the Bible was copied over and over again, there were a few errors that were made. And we're going to talk more about those kind of errors in this series. But just to note the fact that there were some copying errors made and how can we know we have the correct text today as part of this process. But today we're going to begin a little bit with the history and the transmission of the Greek New Testament The next two sessions will be a little bit more technical, maybe, than the ones we've had before. But I encourage you, again, get the notes, download them. It will help you as you follow along with this study. All right, the original Greek text, and what we mean by that is the original text of the New Testament books that were written down by the apostles and those associated with the apostles were written on a product called papyri, 
which was kind of a precursor to paper. It was made from the papyrus plant. Now this was over time, this material would become very brittle. It would wear out. It would not last forever. And the more you used it, the more it would wear out. And so it would deteriorate over time. Thus, this required that books need to be recopied. There was no way to preserve books, original writings in the ancient world, except by copying them and recopying them. That's the only way you can preserve a book in those days. The church also needed to make copies of the New Testament in order to distribute them to other churches. We talked about how some of the books of the Bible were intended to be copied and passed around to different churches. But they also needed to make copies of the New Testament Greek in order to preserve them so that Oh, as the copies wore out, we still had accurate copies of the, the New Testament. Today, none of the original Greek texts, sometimes referred to as the original autographs, have survived to this day. When people talk about the original, they're talking about the original language, the language in which it was originally written in. But those specific texts, the specific book of Matthew and so forth, we don't have that very first original copy. They have deteriorated. But we have what we have is copies and copies of copies that have been passed down to us through the years. As we mentioned earlier, in the process of this copying, some unintentional mistakes were made. Also, over time, some intentional changes were made to the Greek text. And this is typically when as the Greek language changed, people would sometimes make changes to the text. And we'll talk about these changes more in our next session. So there have been some what we call discrepancies in the Greek text. And so this brings up the question, how do we know that we have the right and correct Greek text? We're going to talk about this process a little bit of how the Greek text passed on. But just a few things uh, technical about the types of Greek text that we find First of all, there's the word uncials, and this is a, refers to all capital letters. In other words, the Greek from the time of, of Jesus and the time of the early apostles, and for many years, actually, was written in all capital letters with no spaces and no punctuation point. You can find pictures of these texts on the internet. That's just the way Greek was written. And so all the original Greek texts were written, written this way. And the oldest copies of the New Testament Greek are in uncials. These become some of the more important manuscripts in trying to recover the original text. There's the minuscules. The letters were written in lowercase mostly, except when using people's names and so forth. But it was also written with spaces between the letters, similar to the way English is written today. This style was developed in the, around the 9th century A.D., so all the earliest copies we're going to find of the Bible were written in the uncials. Now, there's another thing called text type. There were different text types. And again, we're just giving you some information here about the Greek language. Again, this is just a bit of the history. But Bruce Metzger, in his book, The Text of the New Testament, talks much about how we can have confidence in the text that we have today. But he recognized four text types. The oldest called the neutral texts, which was closest to the originals. Then there was the Alexandrian texts, the Western text group, and then the Byzantine texts. Sometimes you may have heard of that, also known as the Koine or the Syrian. The purpose of this is just to show you 
that there were different styles of writing, there were different text types as the Greek New Testament was copied down through the years so that we would have what we have today. A little brief history of the Greek New Testament. So after the original books and letters had been written down, copies were made by professional scribes as well as common people. Professional scribes earned their living by copying books, and they were very careful to write and copy everything as best they could. Sometimes when it was copied by a non-scribe, the quality of the copy was not as good. And these things happened in the copying of the, the New Testament. Eventually, Christianity came under persecution in various times of the Roman Empire. Uh, Christians throughout these times would try to preserve the Bible and their various writings and making copies of them and hiding them. We talked earlier about Diocletian was probably one of the worst persecutions where he ordered the burning of materials. So Christians needed to copy their scriptures and then hide them to make sure that they had preserved the Bible as God had given it. Eventually, Constantine became the emperor of the Roman Empire, 306 AD, and he declared Christianity to be the official religion of the Roman Empire in 315 AD. This allowed Christianity to flourish and to copy the Bible without fear of any kind of reprisal. Eventually, the Latin Vulgate was translated by St. Jerome in 400 AD, and this became the standard Bible for the churches for centuries. And so uh, the Latin language became the official language of the church. And as this happened, the interest in the Greek text among Christian leaders, uh, a lack of interest rather in, in the Greek text, began to prevail. The Greek Testament was mostly maintained by monks in monasteries around the world. Over the course of time, these texts were kept in these monasteries. They weren't really used that much in, in translating the Greek, uh, translating the Bible. But with the Enlightenment came a renewed interest in, in learning. And with that, a revival in the interest of the Greek language arose among some church leaders and scholars. This began the process of searching for and discovering many of the older Greek manuscripts from which an accurate Greek text could be constructed. So that's just a, a brief history of the Greek New Testament as it went down through the years and through the ages, but it has been preserved for us. Periods of transmission is the next thing I want to cover. The first three centuries, the integrity of the New Testament scriptures came from a combined testimony of different sources in the early church. In other words, the early church really tried to maintain the integrity of the copying of the manuscripts so that typically these older uh, very old manuscripts are much more reliable and complete uh, than what we have today, although we don't have as many of the during the first three centuries. We don't have many complete manuscripts from this period, but the ones that do exist are, are very significant. The fourth and fifth centuries A.D., following the legalization of Christianity, a multiplication of the New Testament manuscripts began to increase. So even though there was eventually the Latin Vulgate that tended to dominate, there was some multiplication of the Greek New Text. Uh, these manuscripts were on volume rather than papyri or parchment, and they tended to last longer. And the quality of these copies during this period of time is generally very good. The 6th century to the 10th century AD, the manuscripts were copied by the monks who collected them and cared for them in the monasteries. 
And this period was a period of rather uncritical reproduction. In other words, they didn't take as much care. There was a lot more copies being made, but they weren't taking as good a care. And generally, there's the decreased quality of the text that we have passed down. Again, the reason we know this is we have many of the older documents now to compare them to. The 10th through the 5th centuries, again, after the introduction of the minuscule manuscripts in the 9th century, manuscript copies were multiplied even more rapidly. And again, a decline in the textual transmission continued. From around the 16th century forward, there was a renewed interest in the Greek language. Attempts to reconstruct the original Greek Testament began to arise. Scholars sought to reconstruct New Testament from various Greek manuscripts, and as older and more reliable Greek manuscripts were discovered, corrections were made in the existing Greek text. So you see, there was this period of time where the Bible was copied and transmitted. Sometimes the quality was better than others, but the Greek texts were passed on down through the years. And today, what we have is that through from the 16th to the 20th century, thousands and thousands of Greek manuscripts have been discovered, many of them from these monasteries. And the earliest complete Greek New Testament was discovered in the mid-1800s. Many of the papyri that were, were discovered were in Egypt and now are displayed in the British Museum, so we still have many of the papyri texts, and the, but most of them represent portions of individual books, they usually don't have the complete book simply because, as we said, papyri tended to deteriorate. These are the earliest known copies of the New Testament book, but we now have over 5,800 Greek manuscripts to look at and compare that have been given to us and preserved for us down through the years. And this is quite significant. No other ancient text has nearly as many copies available to compare and to contrast so that you may determine that the original text has been preserved. The word manuscript usually refers to individual books or portions of books, not necessarily to the complete copies of the New Testament. So I go through this just to let you know that there has been a process of copying down through the years. And it was not until the sometime in the 16th century that the printing press was invented. And prior to that, everything had to be printed and copied by hand. There was no way to preserve the text without copying it. And this is important to note and to remember that copies of copies of copies have been passed down to us over the years. I want to share a story that I think is quite incredible. It's the story of Constantine von Tischendorf. I love that name. Seems to roll right off the tongue. He was a young man who had committed himself to the studying of the New Testament and had resolved to construct the most exact Greek text possible. He published a Greek text in uh, 1941, but he continued to search. He believed that there were better Greek texts available. So he committed his life to finding as many ancient Greek texts as he could. And his search took him throughout much of Europe, studying Greek in search of these manuscripts, hoping to find the oldest possible manuscripts and reconstruct the most accurate Greek New Testament possible. He eventually visited the convent of St. Catherine at the foot of Mount Sinai in May of 1944. And while he was there talking to a monk, he discovered a basket full of Greek texts sitting next to the fireplace. 
He saw them and immediately noticed that there were some, these were quality texts. He asked the monk and he was, he was told that, oh, these were old ancient documents that were being used to start fires. With that, he was quite disturbed, but also very excited when he began to pull leaf after leaf or page after page from this basket, looking at seeing the great quality of work that existed. He got very excited about this and wanted to see more and more of them. As the monks listened to the man, they realized uh, that they had something significant here, something they were willing to burn now they realized was something significant, and they only allowed him to have a few pages to copy down. He spent the next several years trying to get to the point where he could see the entirety of this text that these monks had in 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 the monastery. He finally returned in 1953 and was allowed to view the entire text which contained portions of the Old Testament and a complete copy of the New Testament. Now this time, he tried to restrain his excitement of having been able to see these texts. He didn't want it taken away from him. But eventually, over time, he was able to copy all this text that was found here. Eventually, the text was acquired by the Tsar of Russia in 1869, then sold to the British Museum in 1933, where it is on display now, where it can be seen. This manuscript was known as the Sinaitic Manuscript, and it is the oldest complete copy of the Greek New Testament. It's dated to about 340 A.D., quite a significant find. The quality of the text is very, very good. Now, I told you the story because... I think it illustrates a fact of how God has preserved the Bible and the text down through the years. This text could have been completely burned, but it wasn't. God had inspired a young man to go and to search and to find these Greek texts, and he found this text, which is a very significant text for us today. Now, some may ask, so why didn't God just miraculously preserve all these texts? Well, I think there are several reasons. God wanted, I believe, men to copy the text because the more it was copied, in a sense, the more people would read it. The miraculous preserving of the text would be something outside of normal daily life. Jesus wanted us to live a normal daily life as Christians. It would be outside of that. And I think probably maybe the most important reason that if we had those original texts, We would have them preserved somewhere, and we would be worshiping those texts rather than the God who gave them to us. An example would be the Shroud of Turin, believed to be the burial cloth of Jesus, although there are good reasons to believe that it's not. But it's put in a museum, and people bow before it, and they worship it, and they have all these things they do. And God doesn't want us to worship things. He wants us to worship him. The Bible was given to us by God. But the Bible itself is not our God. It's the message of our God. And I think if we had those original texts, we would be have them somewhere in a museum where they couldn't be touched and people would be worshiping them. And that's my view of maybe why God has not miraculously preserved the text. In a sense, he has. If you think about it, think about the thousands and thousands of copies. And today, through the evaluation of all these copies, we can, with a great deal of certainty, know that we have the message of those original texts. I think that's pretty amazing. So this has been a recap of the bit of the history of the New Testament Greek. Next time, we're going to look at some of the 
a little bit more about the transmission and the problems of transmission and how we can know that we have the correct Greek text today. Let's close our time in prayer. Father, thank you for the fact that you have preserved the Bible for us. And these original texts in which the Bible was written, the Greek and the Hebrew, have been preserved well enough for us today that we can read the Bible and know this is your message to us today and it is relevant to life today just as it was in the day it was written. Thank you, Father. And may we have a heart to know your scriptures, to know your word, and to live faithfully for you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.